listening to The Sunroom Musings with your hosts, Matthew and Kimberly, a podcast about everything that makes us happy. Listeners of the Sunroom Musings, this is your intrepid host, Matthew Eldridge, and your other intrepid host, Kimberly Simmons. The way my eyes darted up when you said your host. Your host. Host. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the hosts, the hostesses. Hostesses. So, uh, first of all, we apologize for the, uh, the length of time it's been since our last podcast. Uh, both of us have been incredibly busy. Um, so Kimberly has gotten a new job since last time and absolutely loves it. So it's, for one, a safer work environment, which I'm thankful for, and uh, a more fun work environment and a more rewarding work environment, would you definitely, say? Definitely. Yeah. So, so I'm working for a nonprofit, focusing on giving help here to anyone and everyone who needs it, which yeah. is just fantastic. And I myself have made a little move in my company and have gone from selling shoes and dealing with uh, bunions and people's feet. Uh, Not his own bunions. To, uh, to firearms and guns and ammunition and all of that. And that has been an absolute blast. And even, uh, even my bosses at work have said um, how much happier I look at work and cheerful and productive and so you know that's good so making moves around here and it's been great um but it's time for us to get back to ye old recording studio and put out some material for you guys so um as i mentioned in the facebook post on our page for the sunroom musings um we do still plan on having the um the lost city of atlantis podcast uh our special guest will be Arthur Wilder, who's an absolute hoot and very knowledgeable about this sort of thing, and he has been um, assuring me that he is compiling everything he has on his computer about Atlantis. Um, I actually have um, Arthur Wilder here right now. No, no. Um, and he, he wants to just give you a brief overview of what we're going to talk about during that episode. Well, I, I think it's a good idea to maybe talk about, you know, possible sites and know this and that and whether it's in Mauritania or whether it's in the Mediterranean or somewhere in the Atlantic yeah, I'm gonna stop now <laughs> so um, Arthur is my godfather as well and uh, an absolute brilliant guy and he loves actually researching um, the Carolina Bays has been his big thing and we are most likely going to touch on that when we talk about the Atlantis episode um, we're actually going to take bets on how many minutes through the podcast until Carolina Bays are brought up by either Matthew or Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Probably by Arthur first because he'll know where to insert them in the conversation. Yes. Um, but we will have plenty of um, of information and, and evidence and all of this. And so um, 
chances are that I'm probably just going to record until he feels like he's gotten all the information out and we'll cut the podcast into um, two separate episodes because um, it may be a couple hours that we're there with him. Um, but until then, uh, this episode, uh, we're, we're kind of winging it, but uh, we're talking about two things that uh, make us really happy. One is... Tolkien and his works, and the Christian allegories that are contained within his books, um, and number two, our wedding, and uh, how we are theming it sort of around a Tolkien theme, um, and I mean, there's no shortage of people who have been asking us, um, pressing us for information about our wedding, so uh, we're giving everyone a little insight into that tonight. And uh, it has to do with Tolkien. So first, we're going to have to explain why we chose this theme. Um, and be it noted that it's not going to be this sort of like Renaissance fair, everyone's dressed up in costume sort of thing. Um, but, you know, a slight nod to Tolkien and all of Think know. about just the energy and joy at Bilbo's birthday party. That's what we're going for. Plus, yeah. Matthew's going to be in a kilt, so... Yeah, going to have to. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's talk some Tolkien. So I started on Tolkien fairly early in life and um, started, uh, I think the first thing was just sort of the preparation for reading the books and my parents showed me the, uh, the 1974 the cartoon. cartoon. So good. Yep, I think, was it 1974, 1977? I can't remember. Is in the 1970s, and it was a Rankin Bass film. And um, coincidentally, the animators were the same ones who did uh, the animation for the Thundercats. So there's lots of that. yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, links to to that cartoon. If you've watched Thundercats, you can see the the similarities and the characters and the, the design. Um, and uh, so I was I loved it. I we had it on VHS, and so of course I watched it again and again and again and rewound and rewound and rewound and um, absolutely loved it and then I think um, my parents seen my mother had um, books of all the artwork and so I would just pour over pictures and uh, sketches and paintings that um, Alan Lee and John Howe had done uh, based on descriptions from the books, and I was so fascinated, I was like, okay, I, I finally got to read this. And I first read through The Hobbit in middle school, I think it was sixth grade, um, and was hooked. I finished it in no time. Um, and I think it was shortly after that, in, in seventh grade, that I started on um, The Lord of the Rings. So Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. And um, both my parents, of course, had read those multiple times. And I remember my dad not being able to contain himself and asking me after school every day, where are you in Lord of the Rings? You know, what part have you gotten to? Because he wanted to talk to me about it, but he didn't want to give anything away. <laughs> I love that for him. So, yeah, he, he always talked to me about, oh, man, you, you know... You're, you're not going to want to miss the next part. You know, I, I can't wait till you get to this this next section and find out what happens to this person. And um, and so it was always really cool uh, being able to talk to my parents about, you know, the, the books I was reading. And um, my mother, of course, was um, big into the artwork, and so she showed me all of that. And, um, 
And so naturally, um, we all were freaking out and geeking out whenever uh, the 2000s came around and they they aired the first trailer (laughs) for The Fellowship of the Ring. And um, it was a, a big excitement for all of us. And so it was... You know, I try not to um, let the movies be what lives in my head when I think about the book. You know, because before the movies, you know, you you had to imagine everything um, that was happening in the book and and sort of picture the characters in your mind and create your own sort of um, Middle Earth from what you were reading. But I think the movies did a great job at portraying what was um, described in the book. But I try not to let that be the deciding factor. You know, a lot of people think Frodo Baggins and they picture, you know, Elijah Wood um, or Gandalf and they picture Ian McKellen. And it's hard not to, but I try and let my imaginings of Tolkien's work be an amalgamation of everything that I've read or seen in artwork or all of this and I just kind of create my own world where all of that lives. Um, so how about you? When did you get started on all of it? So I think that the experiences that you had are very, very different from mine. Okay. Both from the way, I mean, how interested your family was in art and literature and our time difference mm-hmm. because like by the time the trailers were coming out I was six yeah so so not reading the books <laughs> yeah I think I had read The Hobbit at that point but I was a very early reader yeah um I, th- I don't think it was like The Hobbit like cover to cover but I think it was like a children's version of The Hobbit mm-hmm. I have a vague memory of like an illustrated edition um but <sighs> I'm pretty sure that I wasn't allowed to watch that first when it, the movie when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but on PlayStation Two, I was allowed to play the Lord of the Rings video game. Okay. And that, weirdly enough, was my first introduction to like the actual world. It was the first time that I like saw it. I mean, I read the The Hobbit as a kid, as a mm-hmm. very young kid, but I didn't have any interest in it. And that was the first time I vividly remember being like. I love this. I love this world. But it also stuck me in that world. Mm-hmm. It is very different, very millennial. I acknowledge it. But it was a really cool experience to just like jump straight in and be part of that world rather than like ha- having to wait for the movies, wait for the books. Right. It was like as soon as I played that one game, I was like, okay, I need all of this right now. And it was there. So micro- mm-hmm. microwave mentality. It's fine. Right. So then you you got into the books and, oh, yeah. and read all of those, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think it's um, it was one thing you know for me growing up and and hearing about the books and then getting to read the books and seeing the artwork before reading the books and getting an idea into the world of Tolkien um, and getting excited about reading the books and then reading them and then seeing the movies. Um, and you kind of had it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people today that grew up uh, from your generation onward who had those experiences of seeing the, the media versions of this and then reading it. And then, again, there are still some people that think that it's just a movie that came out and have no idea that it was a book. I remember we went to go see uh, Fellowship, you know, the, the first night that it came out, you know, midnight showing in the theaters. 
and we get to the end of the film and it shows you know Frodo and Sam you know looking out onto the land of Mordor and Frodo just says you know I'm glad you're here with me Sam and then it just fades to black and credits roll and there was this lady in the back of the movie theater who stands up and goes that's it that's it I paid seven dollars for that and all of us like every other person in the theater stands up and turns around and goes read the books see i used to be so like that and i think that that was also the like a big culture for like literacy nerds because i do claim to be one mm-hmm. um like i i all through the early 2000s maybe like up until 2012 ish that if you read the book you were gonna do everything you could to tear down the movie. Mm-hmm. And now we've kind of like shifted away from that where we're just like, okay, they're two separate entities. These are two different creative minds working on something. Yeah. And so I think, I, I definitely am still more fond of books, I think. Yeah. But I, I think it's really cool to see how that mindset is shifted. Sorry, that's stepping away from Tolkien completely, but. Oh no. Yeah. But, but yeah, cause there are some people that, you know, they saw the movies and, they read the books and they're like oh it's so boring yeah it's like tolkien just goes on and on about you know i have heard that yeah and and it's like no he's just being very descriptive because beautiful too. There, there was no thing as like these great cinematic depictions of things back then it was what just was it? <laughs> yeah you know but i mean i think he's so descriptive because a lot of what he was incorporating within his books was taken from the battlefield of world war one. Oh yeah and he also poured over that book for 17 years oh yeah and not i mean just the hobbit not even talking about the other novels yeah but the hobbit took him 17 years to be at completion mm-hmm. comparing to i'm gonna criticize c.s lewis real quick come at me c.s lewis pounded out every not uh, narnia novel in seven years mm-hmm. all of them were in and out seven years yeah he started the first one seven years later the last one was done yeah and um and then you've got um the fact that you know tolkien was this great scholar who was extremely proficient in foreign languages and literally constructed almost complete languages for every race in Lord of the Rings. So he he constructed the Elven language and the Dwarven language and and the the tongues of men and Numenor and and Orc. Um, I mean, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful because he took uh, aspects of different phonetics of, of languages like um, Elvish is Latin based. Like Latin based, and then and then you've got some like uh, Finnish and and other Scandinavian tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Germanic, you know, for the uh, the, the dwarves. Um, but it was like he took it back to their roots and then changed it. And t- yeah, tweaked it and was like, all right, we're going to break this language down, start from the ground up, and just make a completely new language. And so um, you've got these phrases in the book that, you know, in most fantasy books, you know, you look at it and like, you can oh, write yeah, it out Spanish. and you're like, Okay, sure. He says that it means this. Of course, that's what it means. But you could write it down and look up a dictionary of all of the words that he's made and phrases, and you can see that it does indeed say what the book translates it as saying. Yeah, based on its, um, like, root word. Yeah. And um, so, uh, 
that that was one thing about Tolkien where I think he goes into great detail because um, you know he has to because he spent so much time constructing not only the languages but the history of every people um, and a lot of people will look at Tolkien and I don't know why but there seems to be a group of people especially <clears throat> in modern day um, if you're going where I think you're going, I'm here for it. Do it. Do that it. Uh, that don't believe that Tolkien's work is inspired by any sort of Christian allegory yeah. or Christian mindset, and they think, oh, well, how dare these Christians pretend that you know Tolkien's work belongs to them and everything? Well, I'm I'm sorry, but Tolkien was a devout Christian, and he deliberately put in Christian allegory into his work. I mean, it is littered with themes and um and to not acknowledge that i think is unfair to him you know to try and and uh you know twist his work twist his work and say his um, life's work. oh no we can we can totally view this from a, a non-religious perspective well sure you can do that with anything but you're taking a lot of the value out of it um and there has been a, a lot of um times that that people have delved into the symbolism of Tolkien's work especially in like um, uh, devotionals and Bible studies and this sort of thing um, like my most recent devotional that I got today a Hobbit devotional by Ed Strauss mm-hmm this was not a plug, by the way. I'm not getting sponsored. But Ed, Ed, if you're listening, this is only for Ed. If you're not Ed, please keep this volume turned down. Ed, if you're listening, I would love to be sponsored. I will shout this from the rooftops. Thank you. Yeah. Carry on. Um, there's also the the book, The Lord of the Rings and the Eucharist, which talks about the uh, the ties between uh, the Holy Communion and Tolkien's work. And, uh, and so that one's really cool, too. Um, so check both of those out if you have access to Books A Million or um, The Olive Tree. Um, or, or, I mean, I'm sure you can find them on Amazon, too. In, um, yep. Um, in, in PDF or, uh, or Kindle, you know, um, you, you might be able to even find some of them on Audible. Um, so just check them out. But, um, you yeah, know. Fair warning. The, I think it's Tolkien and the Eucharist. No, it's Lord of the Rings and the Eucharist is from a catholic perspective mm-hmm. um so but there's really like if you're not catholic there's really cool things you can still pull from that yeah so highly recommend i think the it. only thing different is that it it does talk about some marian themes mm-hmm. um you know but i mean that's what what you're going to get with catholicism so um but yeah but, you know, just a few things to mention in Tolkien is, um, you know, the, the idea of the ring bearer and the, the Christ allegory um, as the one who bears the burden for us and, and takes the punishment that we all deserve. Um, but the thing is, is that you can't, and, and this is the cool thing about Tolkien's work, is that you can't pin the the symbol of Christ on any one particular character. Exactly, and I love that. I mean, I definitely think Gandalf carries it more than anyone, mm-hmm. um, just because Gandalf does call everyone. He, de- I mean, he definitely is fond of the hobbits, but he calls everybody. Mm-hmm. And he's bringing together um, all races. He's bringing together the the elves and the dwarves and the hobbits and men. I mean, goodness, he literally gets dragged to 
if you haven't read this, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Yep. He literally gets dragged to hell, comes back pure white. Yep. Hello? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he falls down. He does battle with, you know, a demon of the ancient world, a battle I'm dead. <laughs> and, um, and basically, you know, yeah, descends into the realm of the dead um, and then rises again as Gandalf the White. Um, and um, But you can also see Sam and in some ways being a Christ-like figure because, you know, when when Frodo is weary is and is unable to make the journey up Mount Doom um, to, to destroy the ring, um, you know, Sam says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you, and picks up Frodo and, and you know, hauls him up the mountain. <clears throat> and that's one reason why, you know, we say that the, the secret um, or the true hero um, of the fellowship is Sam. Smeagol. Oh, sorry. Sam and not <laughs> Frodo, <laughs> you know. Um, but yes, Smeagol plays a, a part in it too. And, and you know, he's kind of this... Um, well, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, I, I guess he has qualities, but he's almost like, you know, the thorn in Paul's side that won't leave, you know? That's almost like, um, you know, he has a, a purpose to serve, whether for good or for ill. And it's almost like all throughout our lives, you know, we have these things that we think, you know, should be gotten rid of and, and that we don't need them. And yet God is using those things, um, even though they may torment us at times, God is using those things to, to shape us into the people that he wants us to be. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that happens with, between, you know, Smeagol and Frodo, um, is that, you know, if it weren't for Smeagol, um, the ring wouldn't have been destroyed because, you know, Frodo puts it on at the end and he's determined to keep it and Smeagol bites it off of his finger and, uh, after dancing with glee that he finally has the ring, he, he loses his footing and stumbles off the cliff and falls into uh, into the lava. I think it's interesting that that's kind of what you glean from all of Smeagol's character. Because I see, and I see it from that perspective too, um, but I've always kind of seen Smeagol as like carrying that like hidden sin. You know, mm-hmm. like the one that you don't see, but is always there, like tearing away at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it finally grabbing him at the end, and that being his doom. Is... Right. That's true. That's true. I, I can see him as the Judas figure as well. Because he, he, it's like he wanted, he wanted to walk with them, but he also couldn't walk with them. Yeah. He, yeah. you, you see his struggle to get rid He's of of Gollum. Oh yeah. Um, you know his alter ego to the, that the ring basically which symbolizes sin, by the way, is that the ring grabs a hold of him, sin takes a hold of his life, and even though he wants to be good, he, he wants to cleanse himself and, and return to, you know, a state of normalcy, of, of even a, a semblance of who he once was. He's not able to because the ring, a.k.a. sin, has so much of a grip on him that in the end it does claim his life. And I think it's interesting that he did kind of have the opportunity to step away from that you know yeah um but just like in christianity we can't 
talk ourselves out of our sin. We can't talk ourselves into being good enough. Mm-hmm. We have to look to Jesus. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the only way. It is. Uh, I'm gonna get off my soapbox on that. But Smeagol is a good example of not doing that. Mm-hmm. And how it, it. I mean, it. It takes you to your demise at the end. Yeah, and I guess uh, kind of the reverse of that would be Baromir. Because yeah. Baromir allows the ring to corrupt him momentarily in that he 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 lusts, you know, for the power that it has. And um, and it drives a wedge between him and Frodo because he tries to take it from Frodo. Um, but then, you know, he he apologizes to Aragorn. He confesses. He, con- he confesses, yes. Aragorn didn't know. Yeah, Aragorn didn't know. So first of all, he confesses his sin. Um, and then he he turns away from it. He turns around and he actually defends Merry and Pippin from the onslaught of the orcs and dies in their place um, so that they can, you know, they can be free. They can escape. Um, and, you know, on his, his deathbed, you know, he's confessing to Aragorn and, um, and uh, turns around and says, you know, I would have followed you to the end, you know, my my cap my captain my king um and that just shows that he is finally um uh, announcing and or admitting that aragorn is his king which he did not want to um accept at first and and aragorn is another figure um that resembles christ is because in the return of the king it is you know um, uh, a lonely ranger who is from a, a noble background who departs from that high estate to basically wander the wilderness um, and then he he meets the hobbits, he calls the hobbits and guides them on a mission he stays with them the entire time and when the time is right um, he he reclaims his rightful place as the king of Gondor um, and establishes a rule of peace that that lasts forever. Um, I see a little Peter on in him too. Yes. You know, the church being built on Peter as the foundation or the cornerstone. Yep, and Gandalf sort of um, establishes that um, in him with Aragorn. You know, it's Gandalf is the one who basically anoints him and and crowns him as king so there's almost that um there's almost that that prophet sort of feel to gandalf too is that he is the one who pours the oil over the head and announces you know and and anoints the new king so aragorn also has a, a david sort of um feature too as king david is the one chosen to rule over the people um Especially with David running. There's just so much. Gosh, I love Tolkien. Yeah. <clears throat> and of course, you know... I'm not going to bully our sweet, precious priest in this one. Yeah. Snow. There's there's plenty of it in there. There's plenty of it. Yeah. And even though C.S. Lewis wrote more books... Very clear-cut. Th- they are very clear-cut. But be it known that Tolkien was the one who brought... C.S. Lewis to the Christian faith. Yep. He ministered to him and convinced him. Uh, he was actually an atheist. He, he a very an atheist. loud atheist for a long time until, was it 
55? Mm-hmm. I think so. And, and um, he finally publicly pr- professed his faith. Yeah. And that was after many talks in a pub with Tolkien. <laughs> and there's actually an interesting story that, um, you know, Tolkien and Lewis were in this pub and um, they were talking and the, the bartender sort of notices you know, that there's this, like, this, like, squabble going on between them, and, you know... Which seemed to be their norm. That seemed to be their norm. So, so, you know, voices were raised, and and it seems like this little argument was breaking out. And so the bartender steps over, and he's like, excuse me, excuse me, what are you guys talking about? And they both turn to him, and they exclaim, dragons! (laughs) And so this whole time, they had been going back and forth about dragons, and just this heated sort of, you know debate or, or, you know, talk about, you know, what their ideas of, of the dragons should be. Um, but they were, they were lifelong, I, I mean, best friends. Um, and so if you read Tolkien, you inevitably, you know, segue into Lewis or vice versa. Um, you know, as a kid, I read all of the Lewis, you know, Chronicles of Narnia. Um, but C.S. Lewis was very much, you know, where Tolkien just sort of hinted at the Christian allegory. Lewis um, became a zealot for the faith and and, um, oh, yeah. and published whole books dealing with uh, the big questions for Christianity. You know, the problem screw of pain. Screwtape letters is incredible. Yeah, the problem of pain, the great divorce, the screw tape letters. Oh, the great divorce is so good. Um, yeah, and, and so he wrote many books that are considered, you know, theological cornerstones for the church nowadays. And, you know, if you want to to delve into a, a, a hard-hitting topic, you know, Lewis is kind of the guy to go to. Um, but, uh, but both of them had allegories in their work. And, you know, Lewis, of course, was definitely more clear-cut when it comes to the allegories. And, Tolkien was more into which, apologetics. He was more into apologetics. Tolkien was, you know... Uh, yeah, it's Lewis was more like, okay, Aslan is Jesus, you know. Yeah, that, and Tolkien's no, more like, oh, who's Jesus? Oh, oh. who's Jesus? You're going to have to guess. You know? I think Tolkien was, he wanted to paint a picture where we could see, you know. Christianity. G- he, he wanted us to be able to see Jesus in many different forms, and he wanted us to see ourselves in, in some of the characters, um, in different in aspects. all the characters. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, can you see yourself in Gandalf? Yeah. Can you see yourself in Frodo? Yeah. Can you see yourself in Sam? Yeah. Smeagol? Mm-hmm. Yep. All, all of them. them. Yep. Ooh, jeez. Sometimes, sometimes the, the writers, too, <clears throat> on occasion, when... Yeah. Things aren't looking so hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you can see yourself in a little bit of everyone. And um, and I think the same runs true with um, with the Bible and, and characters from history. Um, you know, you can, you can see yourself in one of the disciples. Um, I, I love reading Paul because, you know, all of his letters, I, I think... Love Paul. I think I can identify with Paul. Um, and I, I don't know who I would identify with. I, Old Testament, I would probably identify with Elijah, just because he he got so fed up. I mean, but there was the period where you know um, Jezebel and um, and Ahab were uh, you know basically either killing off all the prophets in Israel or chasing them out. And Elijah just like flees because he's in fear of his life. He's like, I don't I don't want to die. 
and uh, and then finally, you know, God calls him back out, and then he's just like this all-out warrior, like, oh yeah, bring out your prophets of Baal. See, I'll take them on. The only thing that I see of Paul in myself, it, and this, this sounds terrible, but you know, I'm transparent. We all have struggles. Is the fact that there have been times in my life where Jesus darn near had to blind me for me to listen mm-hmm. and that's just i mean humanity I oh guess. yeah and yeah there there are definitely times where god has to just sort of smack you over the head you know to to get you to listen he's done the same thing for me that was a really good present the paddle oh the paddle yeah that was a good present yeah we, we made her mother a uh, a paddle a giant paddle. a giant paddle that says go into the world and make disciples, you know, and, uh, and it was great. Turned out wonderful. So she's got it hanging in her home. And she says that God has to smack her over the head with a two by four quite frequently. Mm-hmm. This was bigger than a two by four though. It was indeed. Yeah. Two by six. Two by 48. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So with that said, that's kind of what we're getting at with the, the allegory, um, in Tolkien to the the biblical prophetic narrative and to the idea of discipleship to the nature of christ um and the journey that we all go through in life um and i think it was it was best spoken beautifully by gandalf to pippin um in gondor when pippin is is sure that this is how they're going to die and he says I didn't think it would end like this. And Gandalf says, end? Oh no, it doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. And Pippin asks him, you know, what, well, what is it like? And Gandalf describes, you know, you know, you, you fade out and the heavens fly by and stars pass overhead. And that's when you see it. And Pippin says, you know, what, what is it? What do you see? And he says, white shores and beyond a far green country. And um, Pippin says, well, that doesn't sound so bad. And, um, and so that's this sort of glimpse that we get from Gandalf, you know, revealing to us that, that death is indeed a path that we all must take. And there's more to life um, than just what we know and, and experience here. There is, there is more afterwards. Um, and that's the great hope that we all have is that, you know, Jesus gives us that, um, that, that, um, reconciliation with God so that we can know that life, that we can know that kingdom um, with white shores in a far green country um, instead of, you know, total and complete separation from him. Um, So, with that being said, that's kind of what we decided to do for our wedding. Yeah. Um, It's kind of perfect for us. It is. So, um, I've got a lot of Scottish... Uh, you know, Celtic in general heritage, and so I'll be wearing my kilt and um, my uh, colors. You know, for Clan Campbell are sort of a dark blue and a uh, forest green. Navy. Yeah, like a navy, and um, and so we thought it'd be perfect for you know a, a darker blue and a, a green uh, for you know groomsmen and With bridesmaids. With rose thrown in to make it a little feminine. Yeah. And, um, and so we're thinking that the, the wedding will definitely be high church. So smells and bells, some incense, 
and we're sort of likening it to the inauguration day with Aragorn at Gondor, and there's, you know, flower petals everywhere, and, and, and Arwen presents herself, and she's wearing her white dress, and, and Elrond says, go to him, and she walks down the aisle towards Aragorn, and, and that's sort of the idea that I get in my mind, yeah. that our wedding is like an Aragorn and Arwen sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's sweet, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, we want it to be at our church and we want it to be high church and, you know, um, candles and um, and just a day of joy. But we also want it to be, um, you know, a ceremony dedicated to the worship of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and everything that we've been doing, you know, with our premarital counseling and all that has been sort of preparing wild. us. I mean, preparing us. It has been wild, <laughs> but, but it has been revealing lots of good things and, um, and tough things and tough things. It's been, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. It has been an adventure. Yes. So every day we go to premarital counseling, we shout, I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> But no, it's been it's been great, and I think we've yes. learned very valuable things and good techniques about um, communication and being assertive. And I'm I'm learning how to be abs- absurd. 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 She's <laughs> learning how to be absurd. <laughs> um, yes. But yes, no, it's it's been good, and I think it's just one of those things where you know the Lord is as weeding out things from our lives that don't need to be there. Oh yeah, Matthew cries every time. I'm, well, maybe it's me, but. <laughs> One of us is definitely crying every time. It's it's <laughs> always good, and I think it's building in us um, good traits and characteristics that will benefit us for you know our entire lives. And um, and I would highly recommend that you know if you're getting married that you you do premarital counseling and and that you even when you don't want to even when you don't want to like there's days where I'm sure you fail it where you're just like I really don't like I, I want to spend time with you of course but right it's a lot of work it is a lot of work but it's so so worth it mm-hmm. and it's something that's going to make sure that everyone is on the same page because I think as as David talked about in one of them it's like a lot of people go into marriage and they have no idea of the wants or the needs of the other person yeah and so when they arise they're like shocked they're like oh i didn't know you felt that way and i think we did pretty good about that but this has definitely been it's super super helpful it's kind of like that deep scrub where you're like getting to the places that you didn't know existed (laughs) and you're like oh that's a thing okay cool let's talk about that yeah but it's been good yeah um i'm still waiting for the fight though we gotta bring boxing gloves one day start decking it out (laughs) Sock em, sock em boppers. But instead of you and I fighting, it's going to be us against Boomer. That's right. And if we knock him out, he's got to write his letter. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Once he wakes up. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, Boomin. We're just kidding. Just kidding. Just, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. <laughs> but... <laughs> But aside from the wedding being high church and very sort of, you know, Arwen and Aragorn, we wanted the reception to be outside on the front lawn where there is a grand old oak tree. And we're going to decorate it with lights and chandeliers. It's so pretty. And there's going to be... Definitely not brown chandeliers. And there's going to be, you know, a, <laughs> a big, you know, uh, keg, you know, not full of bourbon. But, you know, it's an old bourbon barrel and we decided we were going to have everyone sign it. 
and we were going to lacquer it and use it as a, uh, a patio table. Lacquer. Lacquer. <laughs> Lackluster. But yeah, and, and um, we'll have sort of like a grazing tables of food and... We're uh, contemplating doing something weird for dinner. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to do it or not, but I like the idea. Hobbit second breakfast. Second breakfast, yes. But like not in like a here's some waffles kind of way. It's going to yeah. be like... going to be like... Sausage balls, but breakfast sausage balls. Yeah, sausages deviled eggs, and but deviled breakfast eggs. deviled eggs. Yeah, well, I don't know. Your mother was like, who eats deviled eggs for breakfast? Me. And I was like, yeah, me. It's, I would. It's... I haven't ever before, but now I want to. And I think, yeah, your mom and Jenny were both like, deviled eggs aren't a breakfast item. And I was like, eggs are a breakfast I item. I to differ. Yeah. I would eat deviled If there's deviled eggs in my diet. refrigerator and I wake up, I'm eating all of them. <laughs> well, I'm sharing them with you, of course. But if, but if, yeah, if I find them, and I'm alone in the house. If I find them, it's over. 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 <laughs> you so said I've that's so have menacing. A, if I find them. If I find them, <laughs> I will eat them. But first, I must find them. <laughs> so I've got to have a, a stash of deviled eggs. Um, but yeah, so we're you know we're thinking about that, and we want to get a. Uh, beautiful sort of three-tiered cake and we were thinking about like a differential design and flavor palette for each tier so that there's like you know one that's like a don't you dare say it's gonna look like the ring no 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 like you know like don't we were talking about the, the humming about that. one that's like a hummingbird cake yeah, and that one that's like really a good. blackberry and one that's like a chocolate and just doing different just different something fun flavor we don't like cake unless it's weird yeah now we we did initially talk about you know if you drop a cake um it's it's oh ruined there is no cake <laughs> so i was like and neither kimberly nor i are really cake people i mean we'll eat it i don't even want to eat it <clears throat> but but the thing is is that we're not really cake people and we were like what cheese. should we do? Yeah, we, yeah, we like cheese. We're cheese people. So we were like, "What? How funny would it be if we got a three-tiered cheese wheel?" <laughs> and I, I was still like, love that. <laughs> "And it was so funny because we were like, if you drop, if it you know drops when people are carrying it out, it's fine. You just dust it off, yeah. and then instead of cutting the cake, we're cutting the cheese." And that was the reason that I changed my mind. And I and that was the reason why I wanted it even more. That can't be our first act as a married couple. Is cutting cut the, the cheese? cheese no. no, I mean we we. I think our first act would be our first dance. Really? Well, well, first it would be the the kiss after where he pronounces this man and wife. Ew. <laughs> and then it will be our first dance, and then and then Technically, cutting the cheese. Breathing is our first act. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna hold my breath after he says it. Just, <gasps> but no. Oh, so I think I feel um, like our wedding planner's gonna kill us. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We love you, Jenny. It'll Sweet, be fine. precious angel. We can't have shrimp though, even though I really want shrimp. It's it's just not worth it. Charlie, worth it. if you're listening, we're not doing shrimp for you. I know. We love you. I'm gonna carry a bag of shrimp in my pocket. Oh my gosh, like Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Napoleon, give me some of your shrimp! Oh <laughs> no, get your own. So yeah, um, but, but I think it should be wonderful, and we're actually kind of turning um, part of the, the, the driveway uh, through our church into 
a dance. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah, a, a, a dance floor and um, having some some posts elegantly decorated with either books or drapes or something, something fun. It's going to yeah. be very literacy themed with a heavy nod towards Tolkien. I think we can do a, a, you know, like maybe a centerpiece with like books and stuff like that, but a wall of books is going to be very pricey. No, it's not. Yeah. I already have the books. That you want to post upon the wall? I've been thrifting. They're dirty novels. That way if they start to read them, they'll be like, oh, gasp. Oh, no. That we kidding. can't have. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's basically what we're thinking. Anything you want to add? We're not putting weed in the incense. That is that is all. No, you mean old Tovey, the finest weed in the Tovey. south farthing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, we really aren't. But I did crack that joke. Nobody thought it was funny. When I get up before the people in the church and I'm asked to give my speech, you know. What speech? I'm going to you, you know the speech. Today is my 111st birthday. Oh, goodness. So Matthew will be sedated. (laughs) Probably heavily sedated. (laughs) Just kidding. No. But, uh... But yes, no, we'll have to find something good as far as drink and... Quaffable. Quaffable? Quaffable beverages. This is a toque party. Oh, yes. Oh, maybe we should have a dragon-shaped firework. Baby, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you even, oh, really? I'm even just... if you need a dragon firework. That would piss off the people at the hospital. <laughs> you just aim it at the... There haven't been dragons in this region for <laughs> a thousand years! <laughs> yeah, we'd, uh, you know, half of the tenants over at the hospital would be certifiably insane at that point. I saw a dragon out my window! Crazy. Crazy. Admit them. Admit them. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. That's all I got. That's all I got, too. All I have... Okay. One last thing. Who's better, Tolkien or Lewis? That's oh, going to be the question of the day. That is the question of the day. Who? For, yeah, that's the question. So the question of the day, to clarify, is... <laughs> Sorry. Is... <laughs> Who do you, the listener, personally think was the more captivating writer, C.S. Lewis or J.R.R. Tolkien? And I guess it's going to depend on which one you were raised with, or if you weren't raised on either and you're kind of new to the genre, maybe you've only seen the movies, but please don't base it off of that. But We'll base it off the movies too, it's okay. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, so which which ones captivated you more? Which ones did you think were more magical? You know, was it, was it Narnia or was it Middle Earth? So um, you can respond to these questions on our Facebook page. Please drop by and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from all of you. Also, um, the Anchor app has now become the uh, Spotify for podcasters. So it has been incorporated into Spotify. So it's um, kind of uh, more... uh, inclusive about all of the information that we gather from Spotify about our listeners. Um, So you can also respond to the questions on Spotify and we'll be able to see them um, from the app. 
Um, what regions are watching now? Just so the, the listeners can. Oh yeah, know. so we've got listeners in Brazil. We've got uh, listeners in Trinidad and Tobago. We've got listeners in Jamaica. Those um, are the new ones, right? Yeah, those are there's the new a, ones. There's one in Ireland, right? <clears throat> there's one in Ireland. Um, we've got our usual listeners in the United States, Canada, and Australia, mm-hmm. um, and United Kingdom. Yep. Um, so, all of you listeners in the United Kingdom, how do you feel about this Tolkien podcast? I'm sure that, that hits closer to home for you. <laughs> um, but we would like to get many more from many different regions all over the world, and um, especially for the uh, the next podcast, which will be the uh, Lost City of Atlantis with guest speaker arthur wilder and um you're not going to want to miss it trust me we might have to divide it into two parts but we will get it out I promise to you he is so fantastic y'all are gonna love him yeah it's gonna be awesome so tune in next time for the lost city of atlantis has it been found Ooh. so with that we leave you uh we wish you all a wonderful evening or morning at whatever time you're listening to this and we hope to have you join us for our next podcast of the sunroom musings god bless